again. Thank you, brother. We live in uncertain days. And I'm thankful tonight that we have a certain God. And we have the promises that's laid out in his word that the Bible says we can claim in Christ Jesus. The scripture says that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ. And so tonight, if you are in Christ, you can claim the promises that God has made to the people of faith. And so even though we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. And because of that, we can face uncertain days. Amen. And so I'm thankful for that this evening. What a blessing that is. Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me back to Hebrews chapter number 11. This will be, I believe, our fifth week in the book of, uh, or excuse me, in the chapter of Hebrews chapter number 11. And, uh, and we're taking our time going through this for a reason. We're learning about the importance of faith and how, as believers, we are to walk by faith. And, and the Word of God here gives us several different examples of these great men and women of faith and how they lived out what God had told them to do. And that's really what faith is. It's us acting like God is telling the truth. It's us taking the promises of God, applying them to our lives, and then walking it out in shoe leather. It's us doing what we know God has commanded us to do because we trust Him. We trust in what He has said. And, uh, and faith is extremely important for the Christ follower. I want you to understand we're spending a lot of time here because learning about faith is not an incidental matter, but it's a fundamental matter. If we don't know what living by faith looks like, then how can we live by faith? And, and we learn what living by faith looks out like um, by the picture that God has painted right here in His Word. And so um, it is our chief duty as Christ followers to believe God. If you believe that, say amen. Above everything else, we must believe Him. We must trust in what He has said. Uh, the, the Scripture makes this extremely clear in John chapter number 3. John chapter 3 and verse number 18, the Bible tells us that he who believes on the Son of God, he who believes in Christ, is not condemned. But he who do, does not believe is condemned already. So first and foremost, we have to believe God. That is our chief duty as Christ followers. Listen, it, the greatest sin that we can commit is not murder or rape or tyranny or all those other terrible things that we might uh, think of when we think of quote-unquote terrible sins, but the greatest and most terrible sin that we can commit is the sin of unbelief. I believe that to be the sin of blasphemy when you uh, choose to not believe on Christ as Savior, when you choose to not trust in Him. That's the only thing that will keep you out of heaven. Can you say amen? How many of you know that people don't necessarily go to hell because of some certain sin they commit Listen, God can take care of that sin. People go to hell because they choose not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, John 3, 18, He who believes on the Son hath life, and he who don't believe does not have life and are condemned already. So the greatest sin anyone can commit is a sin of unbelief. Unbelief is the source of all other sins. Amen? If you look back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, you know why Eve chose to disobey God? Because she didn't fully believe God. God said plainly that uh, they should not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she chose by an act of her own free will 
to do what was contrary to what God had commanded. Now, why did she do that? She didn't believe God was telling the truth fully, right? And, and she chose to do her own thing. And so unbelief causes us all manner of different problems and causes us uh, to sin even more because we choose not to trust in what God has said. How many of you know the Bible has said in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, you cannot please God without faith. Let's look there, uh, just look up a, a few verses from where we're going to start in verse 8. And look what it says there in verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So faith, again, is not an incidental matter, but fundamental for the cross follower. How many of y'all tonight want to please God? I don't know about you, but as a husband, I want to please God. As a father, I want to please God. As a pastor, I want to please God. In every sphere of my life, I want to please God. And the Bible makes it plain that if I don't walk by faith, I cannot please God. If I don't believe who He is and what He has promised, I cannot please Him. None of us can. So again, faith is of utmost importance for the Christ follower. It is our chief duty to believe God. Dr. Warren Wiersbe says that if we don't believe God, then we can't serve God. And he's right. We can't serve God without first believing God. We can't please Him if we don't have faith. So tonight, what I want to do is this look at the life of Abraham. Now, we've looked at several different people up to verse number 7. First, we saw Abel, and we said that Abel represents faith worshiping. And God was pleased with Abel's act of worship through his sacrifice, for his sacrifice pointed to Jesus. And we said that if we are going to worship in a way that God would be pleased, our worship must point to Jesus. Can you say amen? Just like Abel's did. And so Abel represents faith worshiping. And then we looked at Enoch. And we said that Enoch, according to Genesis chapter 5, walked with God. And it pleased God that Enoch walked with him. And so Enoch represents faith walking. And then last week we looked at good old Noah. And I love brother Noah. Noah represents faith work, working. How many of you know God spoke to Noah and said, Noah, I'm about to flood the earth in a time when it had never rained in the middle of the desert. And Noah said, okay, God, if you said it, I believe it. I'm about to get to work. And for 120 years, this brother preached about the, the coming flood while he was building an ark and God saved him and his family. Eight souls got into the ark and were saved. And so you need to understand, listen, we must know what it looks like according to uh, what the Bible says about faith worshiping. We saw that in Abel. Faith walking, we saw that in Enoch. Faith working, we saw that in Noah. But tonight I want us to see what it looks like when, when we're looking at faith waiting because that's really what Abraham was all about. Man, Abraham waited on the Lord to do what he had promised. And so we can learn a lot from Abraham. Now, I talked a little bit about this last week. I want you to know, folks, waiting for me is probably the hardest thing to do. How about y'all? I hate to wait. I don't want it now. I want it yesterday. Now, when I pray and I ask God for something, it's hard for me sometimes to wait on the Lord. 
even though I know I must wait on the Lord. Let me tell you why we must wait on the Lord. Because God's timing is perfect, number one. Can you say amen to that? What God does, he always does on time. I love the story of when Jesus was called by Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. They said, look, uh, Jesus, Lazarus is sick and he's about to die. The one you love, your, your close confidant, your friend Lazarus, he's very sick. And if you don't come do what only you can do, Lazarus is going to die. And then the Bible says, Jesus stayed two more days where he was before he came to where Lazarus was, where Mary and Martha was, where Lazarus was sick. Two more days he waited. And when he got there, Lazarus had been dead four days, was already in the grave. But how many of you know, by the power of God, Lazarus was brought back to life. Listen, Jesus was four days late but he was exactly on perfect time. And, he, and that's the same way, the same thing is true for us. Sometimes we don't see how God can work it out. Sometimes we don't see how God can fix it. Sometimes we don't see how all of this is going to work together. Listen, God always does what he does on perfect, imperfect timing. He's always on time. But we've got to learn to wait. It, it's not about... What we want, but what God wants. And God does what he wants when he wants to do it. So we got to learn to wait. Now, in the waiting, in the waiting, that don't mean we do nothing. While we wait, we obey. That's the picture I see in the life of Abraham. Abraham had to wait on the Lord for about 25 years for God to fulfill the promise of him getting a son. But while he was waiting, listen to me now, Abraham was obeying. And let me tell you something, child of God. While you wait on your prayer to be answered, while you wait on God's leadership in whatever area of your life, while you wait, don't we shouldn't just sit on the stool of do nothing, but we should obey do what we know to do until God leads us in a different direction while we wait we obey that's what Abraham did let's look at Abraham or excuse me Hebrews chapter number 11 at the story of Abraham and starting in verse number 8 and we'll look at 8 through 10 point number one when Abraham did not know where he was going Abraham obeyed look what the Bible says Hebrews 11 8 by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I love these verses, and the Bible is telling us that God spoke to Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your successful business that you have in Ur of the Chaldees. That's where Abraham was from. And he said, I want you to leave all of that, go out into the middle of nowhere to the place that I'm going to show you and I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to give you a land and I'm also going to make you a great nation. Let, let, let's go back to uh, Genesis chapter number 12 because I, I want you to see the foundation of what happened 
here from Hebrews chapter number 11. Genesis chapter 12, we'll see the call of Abraham as God called him out of his father's house um, to the land that he was going to give him. Let's, let's look what it says there. Genesis 12, verse number 1. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of your country, and from your kindred, or your kinfolks, and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. I want you to see something in these first three verses. In these first three verses, God makes three statements about what he will do. He says in verse number one, he says, Go leave your father's house unto the land that I will show thee. Everybody say, I will. Verse number two, and I will make thee a great nation. Everybody say, I will. And, and verse number two also, and I will bless thee. Everybody say, I will. And then he says, in the last part, or the first part of verse number three, and I will bless them that bless thee. Everybody say, I will. Four times God says, this is my will. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to give you a land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you with a nation. I'm going to bless them that bless you, and I'm going to curse them that curse you. Four times he states things he will do. God is making his will known to Abraham. But now listen to me. If Abraham does not walk by faith, God's will will not be realized. Do you get it? Now let that be a lesson to all of us. How many of you truly believe tonight that God's will is the best way? Two of us. How many of you truly believe tonight that God's will is the best way? Yes. God's will is the best way because God loves you more than anybody else could ever love you. God knows you better than anybody else could ever know you. He knows you better than you know you. And he knows me better than I know me. So the one who loves me most knows me best. Now, this God who loves me most and knows me best also knows past, present, and future. Everything that has happened is happening or will happen. And that God, my heavenly Father, who knows me best and loves me most, has a plan, a will for my life. But now listen, God's best that he has in store for me can never be made real to me if I don't exercise faith. And brothers and sisters, God's will for you, God's best for you will never be realized if you don't exercise your faith, if you don't trust him. My point is, all these I will statements that God makes to Abraham in these first three verses mean nothing if Abraham don't leave his father's house. If he don't put his faith in shoe leather. If he don't act like God is telling the truth. Do you remember me telling you Sunday morning that God's word works when? Absolutely. 
But you've got to work it. You've got to apply this to your life. If you, you've got to walk by faith if you want God's will realized for you. It's important. When Abraham did not know where he was going, while he was waiting, he obeyed. God says, look, I'm going to show you where I'm going to, well, I'm going to, show, I'm going to show you when you get there. You just leave your father's house. Now, you got to think about, so Abraham all, had all kind of excuses he could make. The Bible just told us there in verse number four, he was 75 years old when he left his father's house. Here you have a 75-year-old man who's pretty well established. Again, he had a successful business. He had kinfolk. He was there with his father. When it says he's with his father's house, that don't just mean that don't necessarily mean that he's living with his father. That means he has inheritance of all his father has. He could have said, God, you mean you want me to leave at 75 after I've lived all this time where I am, after I've established and worked hard for all this stuff that I've got? You want me to leave now? He could have said, God, what am I going to do when I get out there? How am I going to survive? How am I going to make it? Right, I've got it pretty good right where I'm at. He could have said that. But Abraham, even when he didn't know where he was headed, just by hearing what God said and believing who God is, Abraham left his father's house. That's faith. That's faith. When he didn't know where he was going, Abraham believed God. Point number two. When he did not know how God's will would be accomplished, he obeyed. Now remember God's will. What was God's will? He was going to make him a great nation. Now how in the world is he going to make Abraham a great nation? Because he's already 75 years old. His wife is past the childbearing age. But God has promised that he's going to make his nation as the sand of the seashore and the stars of the heaven. How many of you know Abraham could not fix his physical condition? He was past the childbearing age. His wife was past the childbearing age. But Abraham, not knowing how God's will would be accomplished, still obeyed. Look at verse number 11. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. This is in chapter 11 of Hebrews, I'm sorry. Hebrews 11, 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one of him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Now what he's saying is, this is very important, the Bible's telling us Sarah didn't know how this was going to be accomplished. Abraham didn't know how this was going to be accomplished, but they still trusted in God. There's going to be times in our life as believers that we don't know how God is going to do what needs to be done. You ever been there? 
you logically tried to figure it out, you know, how things can work out, how things can be made like it's supposed to be in whatever area and whatever situation or circumstance in your life that you're dealing with, and you just cannot figure out how it's going to take place because you've done all you can possibly do and you're not fixing the situation. How's it going to happen? In those times, as Christ followers, we must wait on the Lord. We must. Now, what are we going to do while we wait? Obey. We're going to obey. We're going to do what we know to do until God leads us in a different direction. Until God gives us clear direction, we're going, to do, we're going to do what we know we're supposed to do. That's what Abraham did. When he didn't know how God's will was going to be accomplished, he still obeyed. If you want some great commentary on Hebrews chapter number 11, verses 11 and 12, then you need to look to Romans chapter 4. And I want to turn over there because it goes more in depth of what we're talking about here, Romans chapter 4, starting in verse number 13. I've told you before, and I want to tell you again tonight, the best commentary on the Word of God is always the Word of God. Okay? So Romans 4, 13 through 25 is great commentary on Hebrews 11, 11 through 12. Now look what it says, starting in verse 13 of Romans 4. For the promise that he should be in the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for there where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise, might be short all. The seed, not only that which is of the law, but to that which is also the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed. Now watch, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He's going to explain that. Look at verse 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Against hope he believed in hope. Now what does that mean? God promised I'm going to make you a great nation, but at 75, he still had no kids. He had no heir. Again, him and Sarah physically are past the childbearing age. They can't do what's necessary physically for that baby to come into the picture, for that nation to be born in Isaac. So physically speaking, in their own ability... They had no hope. That's what it's talking about there. Against hope, against hope, they believed in hope. See, they weren't trusting in their ability what they could do. They were trusting in who God is and what God has promised. Walking by faith is not us trusting in what we can do in our ability. Walking by faith is about trusting in who God is and what he's promised in our lives. That's what faith is all about. Hey, if I'm just looking at me, I have no hope. 
If I'm just looking at how I can fix things, how I can work it out, if I'm just looking at how I can accomplish what God has called me to in my power, I have no hope. Oh, but listen, when I look to the God of heaven and realize he is able to do all things, realize that he is the star-breathing, sea-splitting, dead-raising God that I read about on the pages of Scripture, whom I also call my heavenly Father, then I know I have hope because he who has promised is faithful. He's faithful. So against hope, that hope in me, I believe in hope. I trust in who he is. Abraham, when he didn't know how God's will would be accomplished, obeyed. In his waiting, he obeyed. Let's move on down. Let's go on down here. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. What God has promised, he's able to perform. Listen to me. What God has promised, he's able to perform. He says then, verse 22, And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Verse 24, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus Christ our Lord from the dead. So what he's saying is, we too are considered righteous because of our faith. And who God is and what God says. So how many of you know? I am a child of Abraham. Not through the flesh, but because of faith. And if you're here tonight and you've placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you're walking by faith, trusting in the Lord, then you too are a child of Abraham. Not according to the flesh, not according to the physical, but according to the spiritual. If you believe it, say amen. <laughs> when Abraham didn't know how God's will would be accomplished, he obeyed. When, when Abraham didn't know where he was going, he obeyed. Number three, when Abraham did not know how God would fulfill the promise, he obeyed. Look at verse 13 through 16. Watch what it says. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now he's talking here about Abraham and the patriarchs. When I'm talking about the patriarchs, I'm talking about Abraham being the father of the faith. Isaac, who was Abraham's son. Jacob, who was the son of Isaac. Jacob, who was also the father of of 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And then the Bible talks a little bit further as we go along about Joseph. Joseph who delivered the nation of Israel from Egypt. Amen? Now, and, and saved them from star, starvation. We'll look at that story as we go along. 
But he's saying all of these patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Joseph, all of them, they walked by faith having not received the promise. They died having not received the promise. So let's look more at the promise. Look at verse number 14. For they say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. They were dwelling in tents, looking for a city, trusting God for a city, not made by the hands of men, by faith. Now, they didn't know how all of that was going to be accomplished, but they knew God had promised it. This is one thing that I, I love about reading the prophets. I don't think the prophets, when they were writing down what God was giving them, really had a clear picture of all that was going to take place. But still by faith, they knew God had spoken it. They knew it was necessary. When Daniel was writing down what he wrote down in the book of Daniel, I don't think Daniel really knew how all of that was going to come to pass. When Isaiah was writing down what he wrote down in the book of Isaiah, he didn't know all that was going to, but he did know God had spoken to him and he had to write down what God was saying. They were moved by faith to believe God and then act upon that faith in obedience. Just like Abraham, just like the patriarchs. Regardless of where they were in their present situation, Dr. George Morrison, who was a great Scottish preacher in the 1800s, I read something he wrote this week in preparation for this message. Listen to what he said. The important thing is not what we live in, but what we look for. That's good. Now let's put that in context of what we're looking at here. The patriarchs dwelled, dwelled in, 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 uh, in tents out in the desert. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Joseph even. They dwelled in tents out in the desert, but God had promised a city not made by the hands of men. They were not paying attention to what they were living in, but listen, trusting by faith in what they were looking for. How does that apply to us? I don't know what you're going through tonight. I don't know what's happening in your life. I don't know what situation or circumstance you're struggling with. I don't know how you're hurting. I don't know any of that, but I do know this. God has promised that he'll never leave nor forsake you if you believe it. Say amen. amen. God has promised that he shall meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. If you believe it, say amen. amen. So we don't look, pay attention as much to what we're living in, but to what we're looking for. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what struggles you have, but let me tell you this. If you're a Christ follower, regardless of what's happening right now, you've got a home in heaven. I'm not necessarily going to just keep wallowing in what I'm living in. I'm looking forward to what I'm looking for. That's what, that's what Abraham did. Not knowing how God was going to accomplish all of it, but trusting he's able. We don't have to figure it all out. Sometimes I think I believe I have to figure everything out because I'm a little bit of a control freak. I want to know what's happening, where I'm going, what the plan is. And if there's a problem, 
I want to fix it. I've come to find out I'm not big enough to fix a lot of the problems that I have. And I've come to find out I'm not smart enough to figure out how everything's going to work out. I don't have the, all the pieces to the puzzle. But I'm thankful God does. He knows what's happening now, what has happened, and what will happen. And in His omnipotence, because He is all-powerful, He has the power to work out my situation and has promised to be for me and not against me. And so by faith, I keep looking forward. Amen? Not necessarily knowing how God's going to work it all out. Abraham and the patriarchs didn't know it either, but they still obeyed looking forward in faith. When Abraham didn't know where he was going, he obeyed. When he didn't know how God's will would be accomplished, he obeyed. When Abraham didn't know when God will fulfill the promise, he obeyed. When Abraham did not know why God was doing what he was doing, he obeyed. Let's look at the next part. Going down to verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he had received the promise, and he had and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham didn't know why. I believe at the time God was asking him to offer his son Isaac. Do y'all remember that story? It comes from Genesis 22. Now, Abraham had been waiting all this time, 25 years, first off, for God to give him a son. And then by all accounts, Isaac was probably in his early 30s or late 20s when he was taken up on the mountain to be sacrificed by Abraham. He was a grown man, a young man, but a grown man. So Abraham had waited on his son for 25 years and then had known his son for another 20 to 30 years. So for 40 to 50 years, he had been waiting on God's promise to be fulfilled in Isaac. And then God says, okay, Abraham, now I want you to go up and sacrifice your one and only son. You know what I think Abraham was thinking? God, why are you doing this? I've waited all this time trusting you. I've learned to know my son and therefore to love my son. And now you're asking me to sacrifice him? I don't think Abraham knew why. God was warning this. Now we know why because we've got the full picture. We know why because we're looking backward in faith. Remember, Abraham was looking forward. We know that Isaac was a foreshadowing, a perfect picture in the Old Testament of Jesus being sacrificed as the only begotten son in the New Testament. Like I've told you over and over and over again, every book of the Bible, when you're reading it, you better find Jesus in it. And if you don't, reread it. All of it's about him. 
The Old Testament is pointing to Christ. The New Testament is about Christ. And